Hello. Hello, and welcome to the Tony Awards. Tony with an I. The podcast where we go through the entire filmography of Tony Collette. I'm Sam. I'm Jake. And joining us today, we have a very special repeat guest, Ms. Gigi Guarino. Hello. And today, we are talking about Hector and the Search for Happiness, directed by Peter Chelsom, based on the novel by Francois Lelord. It's a <laughs> British-German-Canadian film about a psychiatrist who goes on a worldwide search for the true meaning of happiness. Wait, British, German, and Canadian? That's what it said on Wikipedia. Yeah, it's a real hybrid film. What are you drinking, Gigi? Wine. Me too. <laughs> I thought I, I need a little air. bit of wine to talk about this happiness movie where this white guy goes to all these foreign countries yes. to learn how to live. So Gigi, you were just telling us that you watched it twice. Yeah, Care to okay. explain? Yeah, so uh, this morning I watched the whole movie and I found myself in the second half kind of like doing other things. And I was like, I really need to pay attention to the second half because that's where the whole thing wraps up. So I rewatched it, sped forward past the beginning part and rewatched the end just so I could have some good content. That is more dedication than I've ever shown Same. to <laughs> this podcast and I host it. So thank you for that. <laughs> No problem. Um, I really, before we, oh, go. I just really liked like the the messaging of this movie, although it was a little cliche and a little like heavy-handed. The overall message was good. Yeah, I agree. Um, before <clears throat> we begin, what do you guys think happiness is? Ooh, ooh, that's a good question. Um, Gigi. <laughs> Hmm. Well, could I refer to a quote from the movie? Yes. There was this quote that said, um, like, um, I'm just riffing right now, trying to remember it. Um, we shouldn't try to, like, pursue happiness. Like, we shouldn't, like, go on the pursuit of happiness. But instead, we should focus on the happiness of pursuit. Oh, oh yeah. See, yeah, that was one of the... One of the few quotes that I actually like resonated with me. Some of them were a little like cheesy. One of them was like, happiness is the ability to love more than one woman. That one rocks. Oh, yeah. That was my favorite. <laughs> I love <Crazy>. polyamory. <laughs> Very ahead of its time, 2014. Yeah. And the drawing he did in that journal at that time, he was like yeah. two boobs and him in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so should we talk about, uh, well, wait, well, hold on. I didn't say what happiness was for me. Happiness yeah. for me is probably like, you know, some hummus, glass of wine, some, you know, it's of Tara. That's like his journal entry, entry where he's like, like, number 10, sweet potato stew, exclamation, exclamation. <laughs> What's happiness for you, Sam? This podcast. End of pod. Just kidding. It's loving more than one woman at the same time. What about you, Gigi? <laughs> oh, she said it was the pursuit of... Um... Fuck. I no, need to pay better yeah. attention. We're Sam, a minute into the podcast. the film, Sam. <laughs> I just, just like the ups and downs because I've started believing in like you can't really be truly happy unless you like experience really down parts too. Because if you're just happy all the time, then it just becomes like normal. I don't know. Yeah, so hopefully next year we'll all be ecstatic after this Oh, year. I actually think so. <laughs> I'm going to be so appreciative. I will never need to do drugs again. I'm just going to go outside without a mask, and that's going to be all I need. <laughs> Instantly killed by COVID. Breathe yes. that fresh air. <laughs> Listen, I'm trying to get on a ventilator before the year's out. Sam. <laughs> We don't have any more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, shall we talk about I the movie? That, one of the most cringiest parts of the movie for me was that every time he went to a new place, he met someone on the plane, and that person was the person that, like, showed him around. I'm like, what if you were sitting next to, like, an asshole or something? Like, how come these people are just like, hey, stranger on the plane, Welcome to my home. We're having a family party tonight. You feel I, free to drink everything. 
I really wish that one of the people on the plane had been Mark Vicente and then he just joins Nexium for 30 minutes. <laughs> oh my god. Or like um I don't know. They're like happiness is devoting yourself to a man who plays volleyball every night at one in the morning. I feel like Clara would be in Nexium with her fucking prescription drugs names and shit and her career obsession. Oh, oh my god, hundred percent, hundred. First of all, okay, I feel like I okay. I think that anybody would join Nexium if Nexium found them at the right moment in their lives. Because I feel like if I moved to like a new city and I didn't know anybody, if somebody was like, come to this place where everybody's nice and everybody's devoted to like being a good person, I would be like, yeah, like, I mean, I, I, I cannot talk shit about anybody who joins a cult because I did improv. True. I mean, listen, we all join different types of cults to a certain extent. I mm-hmm. think the definition of it is that it preys on like a vulnerability that someone has. I mean, MAGA is preying on people's latent racism, you know, and then what else is it called? Improv lit, pull it, preys on your latent attention seeking in a certain way. Yeah. Potential yeah. for comedic genius. Mm-hmm. And but- like <laughs> the Catholic church preys on people's right. need for meaning. <laughs> Yeah, it's not just the Catholic Church. Searching for happiness, you know. We're, we're all searching that. for meaning, including the Catholics. Just like Simon Pegg in oh, this movie. My ice maker tuned in. Is that Hector? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. So let's okay, talk cool. briefly. Let's lay down the plot for the listeners who've already have no idea what's going on. <laughs> okay. So. So Simon Pegg, real quick. Was he in that movie that we watched that Tony was actually not in? Yes, How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. He was the main character of that. He was the biggest asshole. And I had a grudge against him when this movie began. I was intent on hating this movie because of how much I hated How to Lose Friends and Alienate People. But I actually really liked it. And by the end, I thought that Simon Pegg was, like, pretty charming. He literally, also, I confuse him visually in my mind right now with with Michael Sheen. They're, like, the same person. The one, the one from Twilight. Wait. Oh. oh, yes. The, like, British guy. He's in mm-hmm. 30 Rock, too. Yeah. He plays Wesley Snipes on 30 Rock. I watched 30 Rock for the first time in, like, months yesterday. Mm-hmm. It's so Bush and Obama. Oh, my God. That moment when Tina Fey is, like, I told her, I'm going to tell everybody that I'm voting for Obama, but actually I'll vote for McCain. I was like, oh, my God. Jennifer Lawrence tease. <laughs> Uh, but yes, yeah, so Simon Pegg is in the movie, and he plays a psych. Uh, no, a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist. Last name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, what is Hector's last name? Pegg. <laughs> Hector Pegg. Yeah, That's my drag name. Uh-huh. Um, and then he's married to. No, he's not married. He's in a long, long-term relationship with Rosamund Pike. Who fucking crushes it in this? She movie. also we didn't even mention her two weeks ago or whatever in that other movie. She, she was, was briefly in a, in a long way like, down. Today. Yeah. Yes, she was in a long way down, uh, and she's also in this movie. And she she's Simon Pegg's girlfriend, and she's incredible. She's amazing. I have nothing but love for her. I I don't think that I had ever seen her in anything other than this because I never you saw, never saw Gone, Gone Girl. Girl. No, I, I really want to watch it. You want to watch it together? Yes, I really want to watch it. Okay. I'll say it first. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen Gone Girl either. (laughs) I liked Rosamund Pike by the end of this movie. Because I would say at the beginning, she seemed kind of cold. She was very, like, like preparing his breakfast every morning. And they were very, like, boop, boop, like, robotic. And I was like, no wonder this guy doesn't know what happiness is. They're, like, (laughs) little robots. (laughs) Well, I definitely, to be honest, I definitely didn't know how the movie wanted us to view their relationship was a little confusing to me. Because the fact that the whole end of it was him, like, cathartically, spoiler alert, cathartically realizing he did love her or something was a little strange just because I was, like, she was never, really bad, but, like, they were never good together, but it was never, like, bad, bad. I disagree. I love them so much because they're both such weirdos. Like, I feel like it's, I feel like it's easy not to realize what a weirdo she is in this movie because <clears throat> she's so pretty and so perfect. Uh, and I would do anything for her. But 
she is such a fucking weirdo in this movie. After they're after they fuck, which by the way, like a point against this movie for making me watch Simon Pegg fuck. I did not like that. <laughs> Simon Pegg Pegg. But uh, but after they have. But after they have sex, Simon Pegg just goes, I love my Clara. And I was like, fuck that. And then immediately Clara goes, never change. Promise me you'll never change. And I was like, oh my God, these two are perfect for each other. They're like the most intense and yet blase people I've ever seen. So I understand that Simon Pegg's whole thing in this movie is that he's like unfulfilled because he'll never commit to anything. Yeah. But I do wish that he had, well... Because we saw him being more dynamic. We saw him, like, take that step of being dynamic to go on this, like, all-around-the-world journey. Um, I don't know. Well, I think... I'm, I think that I just made a criticism just to make a criticism. It was, it was an interesting start because I feel like he's feeling unfulfilled, which is this classic trope of, like, oh, my gosh, he has to go find himself, blah, 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 which is such a, like, straight white man thing anyway because, <laughs> like... I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like every other type of person, you have to, like... They don't have time to worry no, about being fulfilled. They're paying str- bills. But they're also always struggling to be fulfilled by default. Reminds uh, me of Beto. Beto taking a road trip after dropping out of the election. <laughs> similar vibes. Similar that's vibe. what the... Yeah, that's what this is based on. Um, but, like, anyways, he's, like... Well, first of all, I did need to write, I did need to say this because it's one of my few, a uh, few notes from the beginning, but it's when he's at this like prescription drug party with, with Clara, Rosamund Pike, and then this woman comes up to him and she says she wants happiness. <laughs> How does she say it? Happiness? She, she's yeah. talking about happiness. But it sounds like she's saying a penis because she's I French. want a penis. And then they laugh I, about it after. And which, then that inspires his whole journey. <laughs> But I thought it was so cute, them laughing about it together in the car. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I full-on thought it was gender dysmorphia at first, because I was watching it with the captions on, and the (laughs) caption said, like, I want a penis. And I was like, oh, my God, like, he's about to, like, psychoanalyze this right now. Like, I didn't even know it was going to take this angle. But then it was just her accent. (laughs) And then he's like, starts minimizing his patient's problems, which I feel like is rude and should never happen. Yeah. He's like, Janine, that's not her name. He's like, you're literally complaining about your fucking second house throwing shit at the wall. And I'm like, okay, well, people pay you to tell you about their minutia. So, yes. <laughs> like- <Yeah>. But what <laughs> I did like about, um, okay, so I did not like the way that he treated his patients at the beginning, but I did appreciate that it didn't go on for too long. Mm-hmm. I feel like. My what I loved about this movie was what I disliked about last week's movie, Glassland, mm-hmm. which I felt like was very, paced very, very slowly. Oh and God. this, it's like it's almost it, it almost yeah, it's very brisk. It almost feels like a series of vignettes. Like the scenes aren't like too long, but I also felt like they don't lose any sincerity by value of being short. Like maybe maybe if the scenes were a bit longer, we could have delved further into. Uh, like his clients having actual issues, but I like I, the movies like this. Yeah, with like a large cast, and so there's just a lot of ground to cover. But it never mm-hmm. feels it never feels it never drags. It never drags, which I do appreciate a lot. Yeah, like it was okay. cheesy, and it was like apparently very well like ill received critically because really? it's it's like drowning. The quote on Wikipedia was like drowning in its own schmaltz. Oh, yeah. But yeah, it was very optimistic in general. But I wasn't mad about it. Like, that was clearly the tone from the beginning. So it's not like it betrayed itself. Yeah. And it's also like, for me, what I liked about it was that if there was ever a plot line that I didn't enjoy, all I had to do was wait like eight minutes. Literally. Yeah. Which I I wasn't expecting because it's a full two hours long. And I was really not looking forward to watching it. um, Same. Because I... I, (laughs) Whenever we start... Whenever, every time, whenever I turn on the Tony movie, I'm like, okay, how long is it? Because I have to plan my day yeah. or the day before. And I'm like, oh my God, the last four have been like 90 minutes. And this one was like mm-hmm. two hours. And I was like, oh, I was what? all of my, all of my notes for the first like 20 minutes of this movie. Cause I told, um, I, I, I told the guy that I'm seeing, I was like, I'm, I'm going to watch this movie and then I'm going to come over. And then I saw that it was two hours and all my notes just said, I wish I was getting fucked instead of watching this. 
<laughs> but then whenever I, Rosamond was on screen, I was like, you this felt is, like you were this, getting I fucked. felt like I was getting fucked spiritually. <laughs> I will say when, right when he starts his like looking for happiness travel thing, it already seems like he's happier. Like that first scene mm. when he, not, like the first plane ride he takes where he has like his huge bag full of random shit and he's like clanking all around and he's just like, yeah, sure, I'll take a drink, blah, blah, blah. Like he already seems more chipper and excited yeah. and happy. And I think that goes back to the whole pursuit thing. Cause he has like- I feel a- like, I felt like he should be a journalist. Like by the end of the movie, he should switch careers to journalism. Cause he seems like he's yeah. the most, it seems like he's the most happy asking other people questions yeah. about what makes them happy. Mm-hmm. I, um, I agree. I think it was definitely an interesting choice to take him where he took, like to go the places that he went. Like China and Africa are such loaded, like from a Western audience, it's such yeah. a loaded place to go, like for different types of people. And like, mm-hmm. I get it. I'm glad they didn't, it was a weird line they had to, to strike with like showing actual cultural things. Sorry, I'll turn my eyes and shake it off. It's okay. <laughs> showing actual cultural, um, like things and traditions and like cultures basically and not catering it all to this like white man who was visiting it, it sometimes it didn't really work that way and sometimes it did yeah especially in africa yeah i thought that was a little cheap how like oh he gets put in like a jail like when he's in africa like yeah he gets like kidnapped i think because i had to yeah. admittedly while he was getting kidnapped um i like went to go do something uh and I wasn't looking at the screen but I went I had to go to the Wikipedia page and be like wait what just happened oh, while because the people kidnapping him switch like spots with the original drivers oh yeah I had driven by two people who are not admittedly they're not like actual named characters and then they get replaced by the two highway robbers yeah so all I know, all I knew was that at one point he was at his plane friend's house and then uh, he was like bloodied up and getting yelled at. But should we talk about China first? Yes. Oh, yeah. so, okay. So he goes to Shanghai. He meets a member of the 1% on the plane and. Selling Skarsgård, Alexander's yes. uncle, I think. Father? Alexander's less hot relative. <laughs> and <laughs> Much older. And, and he's like, and okay, so Simon Pegg like annoys the shit out of him for the whole plane ride. But then afterwards, the guy is like, I'm going to teach you how to live. And he takes him to a club um, that is like a sex workers den also. I don't know if it really is or if it's just like. It's just a club where, se- where sex workers happen to be at, yeah. I guess. So. <laughs> Sorry, so, Gigi was just kidnapped. It's okay. Uh, so he meets this woman and like goes back with her to her apartment and falls asleep before they can fuck. But then the next morning, he's like in love with her and writing her name in his notebook and shit. And he's like, "Will you get lunch with me?" Well, I was confused too because they never even address it later. Like, Rosamond never finds out about her. Never finds out about her. And then and when he they're getting... Even, he doesn't even feel guilty about it. While they're getting lunch, her pimp shows up on a fucking Vespa <laughs> and is like, on whose dime? Get out of here. And like takes her away. And, and, and then he just goes to Africa. <laughs> well, first he I goes to the mountains. But yeah. What oh, yeah. Well, my favorite part was the mountains. But I think it's kind of funny how Simon's all like, oh, Clara's going to let me do whatever I want. And, like, the first place he goes to, he's, like, about to have sex with a girl that he met at the bar that he claims he's in love with. It's, like, right away, he's like, let's get to this first. First things first, sex with multiple women. (laughs) He also, like, occasionally Skypes her, and, like, it's always weird. And They fight every time about nothing. For, like, two seconds. My favorite part. And the moms have Skype for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite part is when he Skypes her to tell her that he got kidnapped. And she's like, well, when were you going to tell me that you had been kidnapped? And it's like, bitch. Like, right now. (laughs) They don't have have Skype at the 
kidnapping Dan. I like when he's <laughs> Skyping her and like that random like African kind of like group housing area mm-hmm. and then like all these guys are in the background they and, photo and then she's like in, in her underwear and she's like hey boys and just like spins herself. <laughs> yeah. yeah that was, that was interesting good. and not really in character but whatever people are multi-dimensional um yeah so he goes to see these monks who have skype and then they have all these colors that's <laughs> my favorite part saying. when like the talk about it then? Like, wind you know and he's all like yeah. it's everything um hector everything because i think it's they're trying to say like happiness is like sadness and anger and everything bundled up into one or something i don't know i like when he when the monk raises the satellite to the roof and they're like talking in silhouette on the roof that, that part was cool mm-hmm. and i like how he like, stays in contact with these monks throughout the movie and like at the end he skypes them again I just mm-hmm. think it's so funny that they have, like, a Skype in their little, like, church or whatever it's called for monks. Did you guys know that the director of this movie also directed the Hannah Montana movie? Stop. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> no, what? I was surprised because this movie, this was a movie <laughs> where, for once, I actually noticed the direction or, like, the cinematography mm. or whatever. I honestly can't sure. really tell like the difference. Like the silhouettes on the roof. Yes. Yeah. That was a, there were so many, like, gorgeous shots and so many, like, just beautiful, like, a- almost animated moments. Like, it would be a real shot that sort of faded into, like, a doodle in his notebook kind of of the same thing. That was just really, really pretty, I thought. I really actually liked all the kind of animated interludes, like the, the he would draw things and then it would go in and out of the journal. And mm-hmm. Also, his we didn't talk about this, the opening of the movie, like when he's flying his own plane and there's like a, a dog that falls out of the plane. I genuinely was like, Simon Pegg, I will kill you. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> when the fucking, this dog? When the dog fell out of the plane, I was like, Meet me outside. But then there's all these flashbacks of him with his dog as a kid, and then the, the, the is the dog his happiness? Is that is that the symbol? I think the plane. The dog again at the end. The dog is like back in the end. I think. I think the happiness is him plus plane plus dog equals happy. Okay, that makes sense. Oh, you know what I mean. To be on a plane. That you fly like a World War Two little flight fighter plane that you fly yourself. Can we talk about how a lot of Hector's happiness seemed to be, like, embedded in the fact of, like, Rosamund Pike's whether or not she did wants to get pregnant? Like, it was basically, like, you gotta get pregnant or else I'm gonna be sad forever. Oh my god, yeah. there was her fucking boss at the beginning congratulating her, <laughs> being like, and thank god you've never taken maternity leave. I was she was like, like, yes, I know. I was like, And then wow. Hector's like, Fuck this! I don't want to be here. I only want a mother. Right. Well, he also never shows. He never like says he wants kids. He just wants her to be a mother. Yeah. But then he sees Agnes, not to get ahead of ourselves, with babies, and he's like, "Oh, oh lusting." Well, yeah, we need to talk about Tony because she doesn't come yeah. into this movie until an hour and twenty-five minutes in. Mm-hmm. And. Okay. But she, well, she's seen, like, we know who she is. She's, like, on this little picture of him and their college friend. And on the back, it's, like, me, Michael, and Agnes, smiley face. And Rosamund finds it in his sock drawer and later refers to her as the skank in the sock drawer. (laughs) Yes. I also love that her name is Agnes because it's, like, the least sexy name that they could come up with. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my ex, Agnes. (laughs) Oh, Agnes. God, but it's one of those things where it's, like... I feel like if I see the name Agnes without knowing who's behind it, I'm like, that's a fucking ugly name. But it's like, if I knew somebody named Agnes, I would, I like, I would just immediately have so much affection for that name. There is a moment in the movie where one of the characters refers to her as Aggie, mm. and in that mo- <laughs> like, even though that like is so ugly, I was just like, oh, Aggie. That's like Debbie cute. Reynolds in Halloween Town. Yes, Agatha. Um, speaking of um since we were talking about when he goes to china did we all know she was a sex worker at first because i had like Mm -hmm. suspicions like i was like okay maybe because she's like way too into him 
but then yeah, I started to I was, think she actually liked him. I was like, oh, cute. I was like, I was, I was like, she's too pretty to be genuinely into him. But then I remember that that's how it goes for like um, guys who aren't that attractive leading comedies. Sure. So I was so like, oh, know. yeah. Like in real yeah. life, if you saw them, you'd be like, obviously. But and yeah. and he's the lead. <laughs> You're like, mm-hmm. I don't know. That scene like actually made me like Hector a lot more because of how much he like genuinely liked her and was like so upset that she was just kind of like basically using him as like a payday or whatever. Not using him, but you know what I mean? Like it just showed that he's like a very nice, like sensitive guy. But I also think that she didn't, I don't think she... I don't think she got paid to uh, go home with him. No, and I don't think that she like didn't like him at all. I think she was just like, he doesn't yeah. really get the whole deal. Because she also yeah. slept. They made a big deal later about her image like of her sleeping with like her butt in the air and like he was sad about it. He like... um That was his sadness image. Oh. I think he was sad that she was a sex worker because I think he wanted her to like be his like girlfriend because he like liked her he was like come travel the world with me like you're cute and nice and funny and then he was like i like can't even fault him for that because i've definitely been in the situation of having like one conversation with somebody and then being like oh so we're in love Mm -hmm. i think it's funny that when he was writing in his journal he wasn't just writing her name he was writing like Clara Ying Lee, like like their names oh. together, <clears throat> yeah, which is kind of weird. Because he was like, I can love both of them at the same time. Yeah, he's like, this one's my traveling girlfriend, and this one's <laughs> my home girlfriend. Yeah. So when he goes to Africa, he meets. Um, a lady on the plane. <laughs> he meets a lady on the plane who invites him to their to her family's uh, sweet potato stew reception. Um, <laughs> the plane is really like <clears throat> janky, I guess. And then he reunites with his friend is also there. Um, so I guess he went to because like he had a reason. His friend lived in Africa, and then Agnes lived in LA. But he didn't really have a reason to go to China. Yeah. That was the only place he just randomly went to, I guess. But anyway, he he meets up with his friend Marcel from college, who's friends with him and Agnes. And he happens to randomly be gay now. Um, with And he works in like a clinic. Is he a doctor? Yeah, he's a doctor. Okay. Why do you think he was taking shrapnel out of that kid's leg if I thought he wasn't they a were doctor? Just, I thought he was just doing it. <laughs> I thought he was just doing it. <laughs> I did think that it was interesting that Simon Pegg was allowed to like scrub in on so many like medical procedures despite being a psychiatrist. Well, he has a I mean he has a PhD, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but they were like, yeah, you can you can like be here while we're performing if a you're surgery. If you're a doctor of like philosophy, do you get to like perform surgeries too? Yeah. Jerry Williams <laughs> took out my tonsils. <laughs> Theater history. Oh and you're like, God. oh, let me give you a cert- like brain surgery. Yeah. Um, my high school English teacher um, took out my kidney stone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> laparoscopically. My theater history professor took out my appendix through the power of, of art. I love how everybody we know with a PhD is just a teacher that we've had. <laughs> Isn't that what you do, though? Yeah. Like, if you're not a surgeon, then you literally are just a teacher. Mm-hmm. Not just a teacher, sorry. Hello, teachers should be paying more. <laughs> but I just mean, like, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, um, what else happens in Africa? Sweet potato stew, gay friend, kidnapping. Oh, he, that. But he becomes oh. friends with a drug oh. lord. Yes, a drug lord. Oh, I, yes. love, I love the drug lord, by the way. I adore mm-hmm. him. You do. I'm like, I'm like, maybe this is irresponsible storytelling. If I, if I love this drug lord so much, because he's just it's like he behaved like a like a grumpy Seinfeld character. He yeah, he was he was he was a New Yorker. Like, because yeah. he would he would come in, he'd be like, "Hey, fuck you! Thank you for saving my wife's life." Oh yeah, and all he did was like lower her prescription. He was just like maybe not <laughs> so much Lexapro. <laughs> I like that he like cared about his wife's happiness. You know, like 
Yeah. At the end, you can tell that he's like, yay, me and my wife are getting along again, and it's it made my so life cute. better. Yeah. Well, and he uses the guy to get out of um, being kidnapped because he's like a famous drug lord, and he steal, he accidentally steals his pen. Yeah. And a running gag in the movie is that he randomly, he never gives pens, but he never has a pen, and he never gives the pen back, which is very relatable. Mm-hmm. My college days. Because, <clears throat> like, if I'm in, if I'm, Personally, if I'm given a pen in any circumstance and, like, the owner of the pen, like, leaves, I'm not going to go out of my way to give it back. Like, no. that's my pen. Yeah. Yeah. And I also don't understand expensive pens. <clears throat> no, me neither. Like, just toss those pens just out. Just go to TD candy. Bank and, like, go to TD Bank and just, like, snatch a handful whenever you can. Yeah. Like, what is, what is up with these guys and these, like, gold pens? Or, like, that guy, the guy on the airplane in the beginning gave him the pen and said... This pen costs more than your car. Like, okay, I don't want it then. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> um, Do we want to talk about the uh, Tony storyline? I guess so, yeah. Because I love brief. it. Interesting role for her. Because yeah. So she plays his college ex who he goes to visit, and she's now, like, married with kids. He has this, like, idea of her as, like, his, like, one, the one that got away, basically. Mm-hmm. And she implies, she implies that he, like, pushed her away in a way because he was, like, not ready or something. And then she was like, I can't wait forever. And she's American in this. Yes. I spent an <laughs> hour and a half waiting to see what kind of accent Tony would do. Because they don't say she's in L.A. from the beginning. They don't. don't know where it is. This is Simon Pegg. Oh, go. All right. It's another thing where it's, like, surrounded by just, like, motherhood and pregnancy. Like, the fact that she's pregnant and has two kids, he's like, oh, I should have been with her when, like, his current girlfriend, like, doesn't want to have kids at the time or whatever. And it just felt like that was, like, a main vein of his happiness the whole time was, like, wanting something to look forward to, maybe? I don't know. Yeah. Settling down. Yeah. I think that also in any situation, it's easier to romanticize the past than it is to work on whatever's currently going on. Like, yeah, he could go to the effort of communicating with his girlfriend, but that would be hard. So instead he just imagines this perfect life with his ex-girlfriend where like they never fight and she just wordlessly knows that he wants kids and has them right away. Mm -hmm. Sure. I like how she kind of like, snapped back at him when he was like oh i'm just thinking about what could have been and she's like what like this wouldn't have been she's like i didn't want you to be in the i wouldn't have had you in the delivery room because you would have got squeamish cutting the umbilical cord and blah 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 you know i like when she kind of like yeah yeah and she was also very like she was like interesting character because she didn't have like a big obstacle she was mostly like a plot device but she was like listen i am happy and I'm happy because I'm not looking for happiness and it's already here, whatever kind of thing. And he was like, he was stuck in the past. And I actually felt personally victimized by the nostalgia comment about how nostalgia isn't like what it is today. Cause it's like, I'm such a nostalgic person. I'm a Pisces. So it's hard for me to not move on from things. I can move on pretty easily, but I love to sit in the past, especially if you're at home and doing nothing else. Um, so I love to just go through like old tweets and like Tumblr posts. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> just do that thing that you can do on Twitter, like search for tweets that have the word Gina from myself. And then I just see everything that I've ever tweeted that mentioned Gina. Oh, I don't know how to do that. I go back I go back I'll show you later. I go back to like <laughs> freshman year and I'm like, oh like remember fifty fifth when like the worst thing in the world was that Gina wouldn't take a pregnancy test even though her period had been missing for six weeks. <laughs> it's pretty serious. And she just refused to take a pregnancy test. And yes. we took her to Dwayne Reed and she filled a cart with just Tostitos. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Gina, we came here so that you could get a pregnancy test. And she'd be like, I know, but we also need snacks. Yeah, to celebrate. I like... I've gotten Gina pregnancy tests. She wasn't pregnant, though. She was not pregnant. To clarify. <laughs> yeah. But I bought her a pregnancy test that day. And then a couple years later, I shoplifted a pregnancy test for her because I didn't want to pay like $18 or whatever. No, it's the pink tax. 
Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the pink tax, I did not want to say Tony is very into gender roles with her kids because they were very rich for one thing. And they also had, her son had a blue iPad and her daughter had a pink iPad and they were using in the back seat of the car. They also, she called her kids over while they were at the beach and they just immediately ran to like either side of her so yeah. she could have her arms around them. I was like, no fucking kid in the yeah. history of the world. Like if my, if my mom asked me to come over and meet a friend of hers and I was eight, I just wouldn't. I would just pretend not to hear. And she would have to call for me over and over and over again until she hated me. Or I'd, like, stand behind her. Because I feel like I was a shy kid, so I'd be like, who? Like, <laughs> I don't know this person. Yeah. So then she takes him to Christopher Plummer's happiness workshop. Oh, I like yes. this guy. He feels yeah, like a he, TED Talk guy. He's okay. um, from The Sound of Music. Yeah, for some reason, <laughs> when they showed that picture of him, Christopher Plummer is this old professor that they had in college who's doing happiness workshops now. And in the picture that she showed of him, and then in the first scene, the lighting was really weird. And I thought that it was like an, an, an old black guy. And then uh, in his third appearance in the movie, when he walks into like the... Lecture hall. Um, no, not even, like, after the lecture hall. Oh. Like, in, in into the, like, I don't know, the office where they're doing the tests. I was like, oh, this is a white guy. So you, did, you thought he was black during the lecture hall? Yes. You didn't know it was Christopher Palmer? No. Can we clarify what the tests were doing? Because I'm still a little bit confused. I'm like... Okay, it's literally... It's literally shit that they did at Nexium. first of all. They would put little <laughs> helmets on them that looked exactly like the one that they were in this movie. And they're, and okay, so in Nexium, they would show, they would put the helmets on them and then show them like um, videos of like people getting beheaded, like really? snuff films. No. And then if they had a reaction, they would be like, so that's something you need to work on. But in this, uh, they just go into a booth and Christopher Plummer is like, remember something happy, remember something scared, remember a time that you were sad, and don't tell me what order it was in. And I'll guess which, mem you know. Yeah, I um, mean, it seems pretty up. He said there was a color scheme. Normally. Yeah, yeah. He's like, it'll light up green if you're scared and blue if you're sad. Yeah. And Tony Collette goes in. She does in. really well. She does so well. She comes out crying. No, she's she's euphoric. Oh, I thought that she was like wiping away tears or something. I think it was she happy tears. Maybe I'm autistic. So then Simon <laughs> Pegg goes in and, uh, and he's trying <clears throat> to remember memories. And Christopher Plummer is looking at the computer and he's like, these are not the emotions of a grown man. It's like he's <laughs> repressing his feelings. I'm like, Tony's like, what, yeah. a, what a fucking novel concept that a grown man would be repressing his emotions. That's what, yeah, and like, what, these are not the emotions of a grown man. What does he mean? Because I'm pretty sure like grown straight men are like anti-emotion and like are very like, Berry, 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 yeah. like berry all that shit. A so, few weeks ago, we had two straight guys on the podcast, and I asked them when the last time they cried was, and one of them said 2018, and the other one said 2019. Yeah, but <laughs> who didn't cry this year? Today. Oh, I cried like recently, like yesterday. <laughs> last time I cried was Friday at work, but nobody noticed because nobody was in the same room as me. I think I cried. Oh, well, you guys, I cried during this movie, and we didn't talk about it actually yet. We skipped over it. The woman on the plane. <gasps> okay, so... We have okay. to go back. Okay, so here's what's up, is he get, he gets on a plane to LA, and, there, and, and he's in first class, which how he can afford, God only knows. He's a psychiatrist. Well, oh yeah, he's a psychiatrist to wealthy is, people. His, yeah, and and, and like, his wife is... Okay, never mind. So... I feel like I'm just in a state in my life where like I make $35,000 a year. The thought of ever Ooh. affording, the thought of, of being able to afford first class ever is a completely foreign concept to me. Business class even, I'm like, fuck no. Economy all the way. Put me in the back of the plane. Put me in steerage. So anyway. Put me by the bathroom. Yeah. Depends so, on how long the flight is. 
Um, so he, well, if the flight's too long, then I just won't do it. So <laughs> I will never ride a plane across an ocean for as long as I live. Come on. I, I you know, don't want to ever go to. I know that the plane that I get on is the one that's going to no. like crash in the ocean though. And Sully's not going to be there. You have to knock yourself out and think you're sitting next to Oprah. Oh, Yeah. But, um, so he's in first class and he's seated like two rows in front of and diagonal from this like blonde woman who we're supposed to believe is like snobbish mm. because he like says something to her and she's just like, haha, yeah. And then goes back to whatever she's doing. You know what? Fuck you if you're going to talk to me on a plane. Literally fuck you if you talk to people on planes. Also, if you get in first yeah. class and you have that much space between seats. You obviously don't want to talk to anybody. Don't yeah, fucking he's turning talk to around me to talk to ever. her too. Yeah, no way. Absolutely no. not. So anyway, like halfway through the flight, they call on the thing. They're like, if there's any doctors aboard, come come to poor people down. And <laughs> and and he's like, well, I'm a doctor technically. I'm a doctor of psychiatry. So he goes into economy and there's a woman with like swelling in, in her head, brain. In her brain. And he just knows. He and just, they, they they hand her, they hand, the flight attendants hand him her like brain scans. Yeah. Which yeah. she just has uh-huh. out. So he's like, <laughs> oh, I know exactly what to do. He goes to the, um, actually, I'm going to text a friend of mine who's in med school and ask her if this would make sense. Um, well, she's probably doing med school stuff, but he goes right to the pilot and is like, Hey, the swelling in her brain is going to decrease if we just fly at a lower altitude. And he's like, okay. And he does. And then the woman is in first class with him talking about like sad stuff. And but then she has a really good monologue. She has a really good monologue. But then the like snobby lady kind of tears up a little bit and you're supposed to be like, Ooh, she has emotions. And it's like, obviously she fucking has emotions. Well, the flight attendant asks the snobby lady if it's okay, because Simon Pegg rolls up to first class carrying this woman, this woman's almost lifeless body. Meanwhile, Simon Pegg weighs about 85 pounds. And then basically she goes on this thing and she's like, you know, I had a tumor and she's like, and then I thought I was walking through this sandstorm with, with people. And then she goes, and then I saw, what's it called? A happy go-round? And he's like, I can marry you around a carousel. She's like, yes, with all the people I loved on it. And then I got on it with them and I had such fun. And then she goes, was that my last ride, doctor? And he goes, yes, it was. And then she cries. And then actually, it sounds so bad of me explaining, but I actually, I actually cried. (laughs) She lives though, right? I don't know. No, she lives. She yeah. wants to go see yeah. her sister. Yeah, she gets off the plane and she goes to see but her sister. But she knows that she's going to die soon. She had this really good quote. She said, people who are afraid of death are afraid of life. And I just really like Yes. That. Also, she said, listening is loving. Which mm-hmm. I compare to the Ladybird quote. Don't you think it's the same thing? Love and attention. Mm-hmm. Love, lady, love me some Ladybird. And maybe mm-hmm. it is the same thing. So maybe we should all listen to our friends more. Yeah, we should. Just we actually kidding. are losing that. We are, though. Like, as a no, society, we, like, don't listen to each other. And but we're all I'm going through stuff this year. Right yeah. Exactly. Yes. I think we're all going through stuff, but we can also be there for each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I cried, and that woman was a good... I think that woman saved the, like spirit of the movie for me as far as like I think it was an important little yeah little scene and it was the only listening is loving was one of the only entries in his happiness journal that didn't seem like it came from him like googling what is happiness and then writing down what he saw sweet potatoes do it's like celebrate The the fucking, the first thing he writes is money can't buy happiness. I'm like, you stupid bitch. If I was Rosamund Pike, I would be so mad. If he comes back and he's like, I learned that money can't buy happiness. I'd be like, fuck, like you abandoned me for God knows how long to find out that you don't need money to be happy. Meanwhile, we're fucking rich. Also, yeah, it literally can buy happiness. Oh, nice catch. Thank you. Like, it can't buy this feeling of happiness, but, like, do I feel more happy when I'm more financially stable? In this economy, yes. If I was homeless, I would be pretty fucking unhappy, I think. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's so, the thing with this money by happiness thing. It's like excesses of money can't buy happiness, but like a base level of money is needed to have happiness, I think. Exactly. Yeah. UBI? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> What's that? Universal basic income, oh, Jake. Sorry, 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 sorry. I know, I know. <laughs> yang, yang, yang. Yeah, yeah. Never quit. <laughs> uh, do we want to go to awards now? Oh, sure. Well, real quick. He he becomes happy slash sad and scared when he's on the phone with Clara in the the chamber of thought. And then we learn that he has all these emotions at the same time, which is unprecedented, apparently. And then he goes, he's like, take me to the airport, Tony Collette. And she's like, okay. And then he hops in a cab and she goes, I'll ship your bags. Like, just <laughs> go get his bags. And then he hops into bed with Rosamond back home in England and like she screams. I thought it was really funny because no. he like just hops in bed and she just shrieks. I honestly loved their makeup scene so much. Yeah. Okay, so first they have a fight because she calls him and she's like, well, when are you coming home? Like, you're being a bad boyfriend, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, well, fuck you. Your job doesn't mean anything. And she goes, is this call as bad as I think it is? And he's like, yes. And then she hangs up and he's like, oh, well, fuck, like, not that bad. And then uh, he the calls call. her. He calls her again during the brain experiment mm -hmm. and he's like, I love you. I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And she's like, is this as good of a call as I think it is? And he's like, yes. And I was like, oh my God. I don't know. It, it was just really nice. I thought. And then they I do really... again where they say, I love my Clara. I love my Hector. That I fucking hated, but whatever. <laughs> You're my Hector. Before we go into the awards real quick, that this movie is like, very relevant to our current times because I feel like a lot of people especially those that are like upper class like careerist people they all seem just like fucking miserable just like doing these jobs like rolling in their money and they're like why doesn't my why isn't my life better you know yeah Matt feels like Roseman Pike and Hector in the beginning also some other stray observations um, I liked that he asked his kidnappers what happiness is. <laughs> I don't know. I thought that that was cool. Um, Tony, okay, do you have anything else? Just that Tony is yet again in a mental health-based film project. True. Looking forward to next week's film, The Box Trolls, which is largely <laughs> about bulimia. What? I don't know. I just listed a random mental illness. Oh. I love bulimia. I love bulimia. Does All Tony right. Collette do a lot of mental illness movies? Oh my gosh, Jeezy. Well, she... besides from United States of Chera, um, she literally, almost every single thing is like, well, last week she was an alcoholic, the week before that. I mean, she, she also, all, almost a lot of the time she has mentally ill uh, children or family members or she's depressed herself or yeah yeah she has or both. she has attempted suicide in two movies that we, at least two um arguably attempt suicide in united states versus of tara united states versus tara and in hereditary wanna... she does commit suicide because she's possessed by a demon yes <laughs> i would like to see united states versus tara <laughs> okay um are we ready for awards yep i am okay here on the tony awards we deliver three awards to each movie we watch hand delivered first of which is best prop so uh jake what was your best prop my best prop was the toy uh plane and thunderstorm set that was used when he was flying to africa it just kept showing like a like, not even stop motion, just like a jangling puppet of a plane that was supposed to be his plane. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Uh, what yeah, about I you, no, I said either um, the gold pen that got him out of the jail or the kidnapping prison he was in, or either the erection drug that was named something about an axe Ooh. that she got an award oh. for in the beginning. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> 
my best prop is the pair of sunglasses that Rosamund Pikes puts on after she cries at a cafe. Oh my god, Please. I literally yes. love that. It was so glamorous. Yes. When you're sad and you don't want to be seen crying, that's what you do. You put on giant sun oh. sunnies. I need to get myself a pair of sunglasses. I'm just like raw dogging it. For, for when you cry, cry at work. Crying in public, yeah. Doing that, like during that part, I was thinking of how I use my mask to catch my tears when I'm crying mm. in public. Because it's just right under my eyes and it's just soaking them <laughs> up, like, you know? See, that just catches my sweat and my intense spitting from when I'm lip syncing constantly. Oh my God. <laughs> I should lip sync more often with my mask. Oh my God, go to Dwayne Reed. You just like sing in the aisles. It's really fun. But do you ever like lip sync too hard to where you're actually talking out loud, but you don't realize because you have like headphones in or something? No, I mean, yeah, sometimes I do sing out loud, but it's always a, it's always a choice. Yeah, sometimes okay. I sing out loud on the train platform, like as a train is approaching because like, nobody can hear. Oh. No, yeah, just I'll sing along realize. to whatever I'm listening to. That, that's the song you like, If I'm butter, if I'm butter, and then the train leaves. I knew you was right. <laughs> Um, okay. What was uh, your best prop? Oh no, we all did best Rosamund prop. Pick. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. okay. Next prop is bet. <laughs> next award is best. Bad. Next prop is best award. <laughs> what was everybody's best Tony moment? Okay, mine was when they're in the car, and they're like talking about their friend, and he just goes, "He's gay," and she goes, "Is he happy?" Wait, no, it's, is he happy? He's gay, which is like, uh, uh, play on words because the original meaning of the word gay was happy, Ooh. which is still a defense people use when they use it in a derogatory way. It's like, I'm not happy. It's like, that hasn't been used that way since 1960, but nice try. And are they just yeah. kind of insinuating that just because he's like gay and out now that he's automatically happy? Because I mean, like gay people are also sad sometimes. Yeah. Well, but, right? but basically know. she goes, is he happy? And she goes, and he goes, he's gay. And then she goes, but is he happy? But then she goes, oh, okay. are you? And then he goes, gay? And she goes, happy. So basically I commend oh. Tony for this performance because I just, like, she's yeah. trying her best. That was my Tony moment. And I didn't want to take an actual one from you guys because there's not that many. There's like three. Yeah. I feel like I you? picked the most obvious one. The one where she responds to um, when he says, thinking about what could have been, and she's basically like, what do you mean, what could have been? I'm with a husband that I love. I loved you, but I love him now. <laughs> you know? That's how she sounds, yeah. Yes. No, that's just the voice I do. <laughs> well, I like she how just... she says she's real. Yeah. She's like, I'm real. Okay, I'm, I'm real. I love that. Yeah, like, uh, she's re- your fiction, fantasy... I love, she really like spells it out for him, like the communication that they've had since graduating from college. She's like, what am I supposed to say to this? Like, I hear nothing from you and then nothing and then nothing and then nothing. And then all of a sudden I'm in Africa. I'll be in LA in 12 hours. Yeah. Uh, But my best Tony moment was when they're in the car and she's talking about how she got them an appointment to meet with their old professor. And she and he goes, oh, I hate him. And she just laughs and is like, oh, we hate him. And then they're both just going, we hate him. Because that would be me if Jake and I ever went too long without talking and then met up again. I would pick him up and say, I've booked us an appointment with Professor Strauss. <laughs> oh, we hate her. We hate her. You would never do that. I would never, absolutely not. She would, she I would, might. she would not respond to my email if I emailed her about it. I, she probably would see me because I'm one of the only people who was, um, her, she was my advisor and I'm one of the only people who didn't switch her as my advisor for four years. <laughs> so. It was you and Sultana by yeah, the end. and Harry right? Hill. Um. He shares my birthday, by the way. Ugh. That's my claim to fame. Um, anyways, can I <laughs> My... say a, a second Tony moment that's like lesser, yes. but I just thought it was funny. Um, when Hector's in the brain thing and he has like very minimal shit going on up there mm. and they're kind of talking about it and they're like, whoa, this isn't that great. And she's, he can't go any deeper. <laughs> she's like kind of <laughs> shitting on him and then the mic ends up being on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, I can nice. go deeper. My favorite yeah, moment like that, that I've, like- uh, my favorite Strauss moment 
is when she was sharing an office with the head of the theater department, Ellen Ornstein. And is she the head of the theater department? I don't no, know. She's, um, she's like something in the theater she's department. She's the head of um, freshman and sophomore coordinator. She's she, she's like the head of gaslighting at Marymount Manhattan <laughs> College. So um, I had to go in for a meeting with Ellen about the fact that I'd been put on probation from the BFA program. And Ellen basically was telling me, she was like, you know, I want to see you continue in the BFA because you have a unique look to you and I want you and, and I want to see you like try classical theater. And Strauss just from the other side of the office just goes, yes, a very unusual look. <laughs> and I was like, Fuck you, bitch. And then Ellen is like, I want to see you play this character in this Shakespeare play. And then I go home and I look up the character and the character description is like, ugly bitch. And I was like, oh my God. I think that that's the description. Okay, she was described <laughs> as homely on the Wikipedia page. Oh, who was it? Somebody from like The Tempest, I think. No. The Tempest. The really? titular role. There's only like, yeah, there's only like one girl in The Tempest. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Being friends with time, you guys has made me realize like how much the acting world just like seems to not even care about acting. It's like they almost care about what people could like be perceived. I don't know. Yeah, it's a visual medium. Yeah, visual, yeah. And it's like, come on, like acting is so much more than that. In radio like, plays, uh, I would be the sexiest bitch. Well, this is technically a radio play. Sam, you could seduce me so easily. Oh my god, that's the highest Seriously, compliment. You're so hot, <laughs> Gigi. You could seduce me I anytime should. you want. I ship. <clears throat> my voice cracks. I ship. I'm ship like over friends. here blushing. I'm like, let's leave the call. <laughs> oh my god. I was like, what show was Gigi on before? And Sam was like, The Dead Girl. And I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah, I didn't that say I almost thought she almost did in the dead girl because wasn't there a moment where she talks about death with that guy in the car yeah she like who was she in the dead girl she went off with like the she was the girl who discovers the dead girl's body and like steals her necklace yeah right and she goes off with like the creepiest guy into the woods in the middle of the night and that counted as a suicide attempt I think (laughs) there was I just remember there was a moment she's laying on the ground but yeah she had that like terrible awful mom Yes. Who was, Who was, I think, played Who by Piper Laurie. Piper Laurie, yep. And she's oh just God. playing Margaret White. Ah! Again. Wow. Okay. Uh, Gigi, what was your custom award? Okay, these are kind of mean after what we've talked about, but <laughs> <laughs> I said most unlikable main characters slash couple. <laughs> oh, really? Ooh. I just Sam thought they were... Pretty- I just thought they were like super, super rigid, like clean, you know, like too you don't clean. Like, you don't like yeah. being clean. Well, I like, like, I like being clean, trust me. <laughs> but it takes me a lot too clean, you know, like I got to convince myself to clean. And then when I oh do, I'm really happy. That's On my that note, idea. can we talk real quick about Rosamund's like sad Roomba when she was like sitting alone in her house after they broke up and there's just like a Roomba going around her? I think that was almost my best prop. And I think it was the pharma too. There was mm-hmm. multiple pharma people, and I was like, "Big pharma." Mm-mm. I bet I'm their like, dog. Drugs. Why don't I bet you? the imaginary dog was named Pharma? <laughs> yeah, we need to know more about that imaginary dog. Yeah. Um my my custom award was most normal person, and it was the woman on the plane who didn't want to talk to him. <laughs> yes. And she was somewhat moved by the dying woman. Yeah. Um, my custom award was the English Colonialism Award because every single person in this movie spoke fluent English perfectly. And I was like, that's not believable. First of all, it is because like, I know that English is like everywhere because of the, like, the colonialism and stuff. But at the same time, like, you're going to be on a random plane to Africa and meet someone who's very, sit next to someone very fluent, who invites you to her fluent family's house, and they're all gonna immediately love you because you're a white man. And then also, every single person who kidnaps you speaks fluent English. (laughs) And also, every single sex worker in China speaks fluent English. (laughs) And And they're pimps. 
I don't know. It just, and the monks. It's like, not that I don't think people aren't bilingual, but come on, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> it was a little, it was a little convenient yeah. for me. It was, yeah, it was crazy. Very convenient. <laughs> okay. Um, and with that being said, I like the movie. <laughs> yes. Okay. No, a lot Gigi. of the movie was convenient. Yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Oh, the awards, Sam. Oh, fuck. Here on the Tony Awards, we have another award that I'm always forgetting. It's called, Is This Better Than The Way, Way Back? Jake, your favorite movie that we've covered so far has been called The Way, Way Back. How does this measure up? I'm going to go with I Like It More. What? Just to spice things up. This is the new standard. This is just every time we watch a good movie. This is the season two standard. Yeah. I can't just like keep harping on a movie I watched back in March. You know, a lot's no happened. No way. And honestly, this but, is good. It makes you feel good watching this movie. I love happiness philosophy. I love thinking about yeah. that yeah. and trying to direct my life in that way. And the problem with it is that, like, the problem with this game and this award that I do is that do I like this movie better than Clockwatchers or even? I was about to ask. In her shoes? It, no. But it's better. I like it one way, way back. So that's just where we are. Okay. Uh, Gigi, do you want to plug um, anything? Oh, um, scrunchies and tote bags. Yeah. I, Buy some I scrunchies don't... and tote bags from Gigi on Instagram. Oh, yeah. We're going to link to link that up. in the show notes. They're All so make... cute. They're so well-priced. Materials. Mm-hmm. Yes bought from old ladies on Etsy or thrift stores. Yes. Okay. Um, I believe that that's it. I think that's all. Um, happy, well, nope, those holidays will have passed.